Hello, this is Daniel Vayon with Behind the Story, and I'm not sure if it was on Twitter Live or whatever it was, but I had said how um, I was going to talk about the best of war games on Behind the Story on Anchor.fm, and here I am. I was looking for it, I couldn't find it, until, well, I looked back, the first place I should have looked, and I found it. Oh, I only remember the part where Dusty Rhodes said he drew on a piece of paper the, uh, what he had in his mind that he wanted the war games to look like, and... It was exactly the way they built, they structured it, or designed it. He had envisioned one big cage that could fit two rings. And I think that's why it lasted so long, was because it was so original and so, um, and it was such a good idea. You take... A group of guys and they all have storyline together and uh, you just sometimes because this happened one year with Dusty Rhodes and his son Dustin sometimes you would even take people that had nothing to do with the storyline you just put them together and they end up being the perfect um, people to add to your team. But I'm going to save that for for the other um, disc that I'm going to be talking about in this uh, in this series. So, I already spoke about how you drew it, but I didn't say exactly um, how late it was or anything because I could only remember him talking about how he drew it. I don't remember where it was at. I don't even remember if if it was even in the office or not. So that's why I want to play the audio of it. They were era they were showing all these different um statements about war. The third the third and final one was Dusty Rhodes. War games have begun, daddy <laughs> Best way I can say it. The first War Games um, match was, of course, Four Horsemen versus um, Dusty Rhodes and the Road Warriors, and, of course, Nikita Koloff. And 
add to that, their manager, the horseman manager, was a wrestler himself. And the Road Warriors manager, Paul Ellering, was a wrestler also. So, not only did you have Dusty Rhodes, the Road Warriors, and Nikita Koloff, but in the first ever War Games, they added both managers. And how you know by this time, J.J. Dillon had long since, um, he just couldn't do it anymore. And I think he didn't realize it until this match, because, yeah, the way they hit the Doomsday device on him injured his shoulder, but it was the figure four that really did him in. So I think that's why, after doing that, I don't think he ever entered the ring again as a competitor. So, what I do remember about this was Arn Anderson said in a, in one of those vignettes they used to do when they would in WCW. I don't know when they stopped this, but. I got a feeling around 99 and 2000, between the year 1999 and the year 2000, they stopped doing the hotline number because internet started to really change everything. So, and what they used to do, and this was really um, fun to see, especially during um, the beginning of my favorite storyline was the hot, the Mean Jeans hotline number would, uh, that, I'm not sure what to call it, but him, them using the hotline number not just for a regular, not just for a regular TV advertisement, but for the pay-per-view to promote the pay-per-views or Clash of the Champions, they would always have him, uh, they would always pre-record comments, um, and they would ha even have Gene, Mean Gene say, here with comments about their match, here is, and he would say who it was. One week, okay, in the I do have to mention this, even though I said I was going to wait on it. Earlier, I had mentioned how sometimes adding people that are not involved in your storyline, sometimes in war games, that helped, this, that helped um, sell it even better. And when Dusty Rhodes was put with his son Dustin... And they, they, the people they chose to finish War Games, the War Games team, was the Nasty Boys. And one interesting, um, one interesting fact about that uh, in real life is that Dusty's brother-in-law is Jerry Sag. So, when they went to the Nasty Boys, 
We didn't know it at the time, but that's like going one half of them is family, and the other is his um is his partner, so he just put them together. But anyway, getting to the point I want to make is that the best thing WCW had when they were about ready to compete with Vince McMahon, best thing they had was Mean Gene and his hotline number. Because it added more to the pay-per-view and Clash of the Champions specials. Um, they would always have... Pre- they would always have what I believe is pre-recorded comments. Um, and... They had a pre-recorded comments from Arn Anderson... Talking about War Games because... When he joined Dustin Rhodes for a short time that year, he turned on him after getting the tag, and he jo- automatically he re- joined Colonel Parker because one interesting note about that is that's how he got the name Arn Anderson was he was first he started wrestling and you can hear. Okay, I say you can hear this on, um, on Arn Anderson's podcast. Well, there's one point he didn't, he might have forgotten about. Well, as Colonel Parker said in his shoot interview, Robert Fuller said in his shoot interview that when Arn Anderson or Marty Lundy, Marty Lundy, was wrestling for the Fuller promotion, and Arn Anderson said that himself. When he first met Ric Flair, he was wrestling for the um, Armstrongs. No, for the Fullers in Continental Wrestling. And he said that... Um... Robert Fuller said that when he met Arn Anderson, Marty Lundy was not... Lundy is not a name that um, pops. It's not a name that makes you excited, or it's not a name that you can remember off the top of your head. So, whoever he faced, he did such a good job that Robert Fuller alias Colonel Parker, walked up to him and he said to Marty, you know, kid, you do a great job, but you want, but Marty Lundy? You want to use that as a name? He said, you look like one of the Anderson brothers, so let's call you Art Anderson. And that is an interest. that's what makes that so interesting is that he, that's how he started his career as Arn Anderson was by being in Continental Wrestling with Robert Colonel Parker as his booker. And um them him taking him joining the stud stable was almost expected, so that's what I like about that. What I do not understand because I oh I understand perfectly. 
There was one pay-per-view that was done, and I think it was in January of 94. There was a pay-per-view that was done about Legends called, I believe it was, Slamboree, I believe. And the, um, I'm trying to remember what I was thinking about. Oh, yeah. Terry Funk was supposed to have a Legends match, but but he decided to not show, not take part in it. So this is how he joined the stud stable is by, because he couldn't mess around with Dusty, he decided to assault Dustin instead. And that's how that started. So adding Arn Anderson was more understandable in a lot of ways than the Terry Funk joining. That part, the only thing that made sense about that was his feud with Dusty. So anyway, getting back to my point, Arn Anderson started by, uh, he dressed himself up with a cowboy hat, and I think he was dressed up in, a, like, say, uh, Western wear clothes. And he even dressed himself up like one of those train robbers in the Old West with a putting handkerchief over his nose and mouth. And what I was amazed at was he said that he tore his groin in the first ever War Games match and it it was such a big deal when it started that it went through forty they went through it in forty days. So he said to everybody um, outside of Dusty that's going in there the first time, expect to get hurt. And I, and I know that that's sim simplistic, sim simplistic enough, but you don't realize the pain they go into until you hear them admit to it in character. So I don't think he would say that unless he was being, unless he was talking about it in a reality-based way. Now, do I think he could wrestle with the tour groin? I doubt it. So, but do I think that he injured his groin? Definitely. I just don't think he tore it. Because when you tear a shoulder, it has to be... Excuse me. No. When you tear a knee, it has to be operated on right away. You can tear a shoulder and continue to wrestle with it. Just like my dad, when he tore his shoulder first time. No. He tore his right shoulder, partially tore it, by throwing chains because he's a truck driver. And that's part of being a truck driver is throwing chains. I don't really know why you throw chains... I never really asked my dad about, I didn't ask my dad about that, but that's part of it. So, um, he, so you can continue doing that. You can tear a shoulder and continue to be physical like being a wrestler, but you cannot tear a, um, I don't know if you can wrestle with a literally torn groin. And sure as heck can't wrestle with a torn knee because need to be able to at least run with run with them you need to be able to at least run so that's why I don't know if he can uh, 
I, I'm more convinced that he injured his groin mildly than actually tore it. But that, when I think about that, I'm really sorry I didn't think about this before. But that would be a perfect, um, excuse me. That would be a perfect promo to, uh, to air on here. But, um, you know what? That would take too much. I don't even, that would take too long, and I don't think that we could even find it, so I would say it this way. He said, um, Arn Anderson, that the, the perp, he said probably earlier that the purpose for dressing in Western wear and a cowboy hat is to get in the same mindset as Dusty Rhodes and the rest of them. Dusty set a cowboy up, so he got himself a cowboy hat, and if you know, if you've heard anything about Arn Anderson or seen his, the way he dressed in street clothes during the heyday of the horseman, you know that he, he can't, all he did was cowboy up because he would wear western wear clothes. I could see him... Wearing Western wear clothes. So, um, let's just skip through this.
I've got the okay from Jimmy Crockett and Crockett Promotions. He's standing right over there. Maybe you can build this thing. He said, well, Woods, if you go out there, it's going to hang above the ring. It's going to drop down. He thought I was completely nuts. You know what I mean? At the time. Really just. They would set the cage up for regular cage matches. It would take an hour to watch this. It would be in the back. And they would, you know, it wasn't dropped from the ceiling, you know. Uh, you know, they, they brought it in side by side at a time. And they set it up. They tied it together. And there it was. This thing was going to be dropped with a top on it covering two rings. And um, if I could pause it for a second. No, but there's always one in wrestling. There's always some. There's always a match, even even if it's even if it's what's being used in the match, or even what the um, the name of the match has been used for many years. There's always one of those matches that they create that can inspire a new match. Like when Dusty Rhodes himself was in TNA back in the early years. I don't know when he got there first time, but um, when I started watching it was in 2004 because my uncle um, recorded it and he showed on VHS at the time. He showed it to me. It was so clean and it was so. Um, wrestling oriented that that's why it was it was so fun and in T in TNA or Impact Wrestling in those days they had this authority figure name just like WWE be, they became they went from president to um, commissioner to general manager and in TNA, when they had the authority figure angle used, they used to call them director of authority. And when Dusty Rhodes was the director of authority, um, for a short time before he left and went to the WWE, to which he obviously, which he um, eventually ended his career with them. Um, before that happened, he created Lethal Lockdown, at least on TV. And Lethal Lockdown is like a, a sequel to War Games, except because it's a six-sided ring, they did it in one ring, and that's what made it so interesting. <coughs> now, of course, uh, nobody... I don't really talk to a lot of people, but... If people were to ask me, why do you, what is it about wrestling, because even now, it's been watered down and so, it's so, um, ridiculous at times to watch with a lot of things they do, but what, um, attracts you the most to it, and aside from it being a storytelling, what really attracts me to it is, uh, not really attracts me to it, what is amazing to me about it is how you can take different, you take one thing, 
And this is the point I want to make. You can take one aspect of, um, of a match, like ladder match, cage match, and, or even a battle royal. And you, there's, you can always, um, take that, excuse me, add a stipulation, and it can always, um, can always add a stipulation and it makes it stand out somehow. That's what amazes me about the creativity in professional wrestling. So, I guess it's just the creativity of it that really is, uh, that attracts me to it because since it's a show, it's, right, it's a form of acting, that makes it easier for me to watch it because I've always loved, um, I've always loved TV shows. And my favorite thing to do, <clears throat> especially when I was a kid, when, when society was different and we didn't have to worry about things, about movies being offensive in any way, my favorite thing to do is always go to the theater. And, um, watching movies. So when I see, um, wrestling, um, it really, it, it is like, um, it is like watching a sh show about a sport. And I don't mean to insult people that love sports, but it is, it is, a lot of, when people or skill or trained the right way and listen to what they're being taught in the training schools, it is still can be like a show about a show about a, a sport because you can see so much skill for so many people like Oscar and Charlotte Flair are two of the best and let's not forget Becky Lynch and uh those are three of the best right now, and the skill that Asuka has, I mean, it's unbelievable some of the things she can do, and what helps her is that she, I believe, is trained in legitimate fighting, so it helps. <clears throat> By the way... I don't do this a lot, but because Royal Rumble is this Sunday, I had just done, I had just done a live video where I spoke about, um, their, excuse me, their third brand show NXT, and, um, I don't know how many of y'all really get excited about Royal Rumble anymore, but I, for some reason... I never, I get excited anytime a pay-per-view comes on, so what I'm excited about is the possibility of seeing um, NXT women and NXT men in the actual Royal Rumble match itself. What I'm excited about is seeing the possibility of an NXT title being defended at WrestleMania this year, like it was last year. 
So, I'll get enough of that back to this uh, story right here. I'll just press play because I really don't know what else to say. Another thing I wanted to say before I, I just forgot about this till now, what they did, what TNA did, um, that eventually became their way of settling, not settling, but determining the man advantage was having one man go against one man and whoever won their team got the man advantage. But what I like about NXT is when they brought back war games and made it to where it would be div it would be their own way of doing war games. Um, but it because that's the only way Vince McMahon wants to do things like that. When they brought it back, what I thought was great was whether it was men or women. What I thought was interesting was they would take the briefcase, put War Games' name on it, and whoever, they would suspend it above, they suspend it high above the ring in a ladder match, and whoever got it, that team would get the advantage. I thought that was interesting, too. So I'll just stop it right here and uh, hopefully on the WWE Network they have the episode from World Championship Wrestling, the TV show, not the company. The TV show, WCW, um, before it was a company, they did an episode where they, the night of war games and I don't know the year 
but um, I believe it was close to 1985, so when I, I'm going to look for that, and I hope play the promo for that in a separate uh, video for this. So I like to look at, because like I did a, um, last time, last time I did an episode on here, I believe, I talked about Arn Anderson's promo when he went against Ric Flair. So, I want to continue that because I think it's so important. Thank you and goodbye. Those tight ends in there, both off the board again. Another tight end out of Stanford, drafted into the NFL. Going to Pete Carroll, head coach, and John Schneider. We'll continue to look through what we've got drafted here. Hello, this is Daniel Vale with the Behind the Story podcast. And I just started um, an episode. Actually, I do two or three episodes together, two or three videos together. And I started the first part of a series where I talk about the best of the war games. Up now on Anchor.fm. If y'all would like for me to talk about anything specifically, just leave me a message on on F on Anchor.fm and to on the Anchor.fm app. I forgot what it's called. So just when you see it, just share the video, and I'll be sure to look at it. Thank you and goodbye.